0: Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 401 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, aka the pod god joined today by the Adama Torre of Irish MMA media, Graham Macdonald, as we talk about. Uh, 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 do you know what? We, we were thinking we were recording a little bit early and then we we're going to record the, the rest afterwards. Thinking, do you know what? There isn't much news. There's a good card coming up next week. There's bits and pieces of cards this week, which we, we'll obviously get to and stuff. And then we had uh, some breaking news announcements from, from Dana White uh confirming one of our reports but we will get to that all in a second and before we do we must tell you that this episode of the podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Manscaped. roses are red violets are blue our friends at Manscaped have a gift for you they're now selling beard products that's right the leader in below-the-waist grooming has revolutionized the men's hygiene game once again with the new Beard Hedger Pro Kit. It all starts with the Beard Hedger. This cordless trimmer has a rotary wheel with 20 hair cutting lens all with one guard. So no more messy drawers full of extra add-ons. With this kit, it's never easier to sculpt your precise look at adding in, so make sure you're looking extra lovely this Valentine's Day by using the Beard Hedger. And even better, save 20% and free shipping by going to manskept.com and using the promo code SEVERE MMA. The Beard Hedger Pro Kit is the ultimate tool to get the perfect Valentine's Day look. Over 7 million men worldwide are already using Manscaped, so it's your time to join in to the Beard Hedger. It is an electric beard hair trimmer, uh, an absolutely premium for beard sculpting machines. Uh, along with having only one guard, uh, leaving little mess, it's also waterproof, so you can sit, shave in the shower, uh, and do all of that. It has a titanium coated T blade, which is tough on hair but smooth on your face. The Manscaped, and Valentine's there are perfect pair, and the new beard hedger pro kit doesn't in there. Uh, they have four dermatologists tested formulations for your post trim hygiene uh, the beard shampoo and conditioner the beard oil and the beard balm as well they're all absolutely uh, brilliant the, the the beard oil is for uh, if you have a, a little bit of a brittle or dry hair we know what the shampoo and conditioner are for to uh, replace the natural oils and promote beard health as well they do they're really really good uh, and the beard balm as well uh, to get your shape styles and uh, moisturizing that owl beard um, comes with three free gifts as well, the Beard Hedger Pro Kit, a beard brush, comb and scissors to ensure you have all the tools for the perfect beard. From first, first impression to last, you're going to love it and everyone who sees your improved facial hair game will love it too. No one likes a weird beard. So say goodbye to all your stubble and trouble and tame your main this Valentine's Day. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code MMA at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com. Use the promo code SEVEREMMA. Spice up Valentine's Day this year with Manscaped's Beard Hedger. One stroke, one guard, 20 links. Right, Graham, let's uh, talk a little bit about uh, mixed martial arts and uh, before we get into the actual uh, fights and stuff itself I suppose, it has been confirmed by Dana White that Conor McGregor will coach the 31st series I believe of the Ultimate Fighter opposite uh, Michael Chandler. We obviously reported the news last week that McGregor was in. Uh, which is, you know, a little bit of a relief, I suppose, for us that it has been made official. Now, you know, we were very, very confident. Obviously, we had very good sources. Were you sweating it, John? <laughs> uh, well, uh, it was more you. Now it was more your report than, than my report. But uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I wasn't sweating it. I, were you sweating it? I, I, the sources were pretty good, aren't they? So I don't think we. Yeah, had any, no, I wasn't we, sweating
1: it. Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of people were kind of uh, thinking that it was going to be Tony. And even when Bisping was talking about it on his podcast, he had said that we reported it was Tony, which we which we didn't, just to clear that up. But uh, obviously, it's Michael Chandler. And I think, you know, I think that's a really good fight. Obviously, me and you talked on the podcast for, for months now about Tony being a nice comeback fight and things like that. But, uh, you know, in terms of uh, excitement for, for this fight, I'd say... You know, he'll probably be on a similar level to Tony, if not even bigger by the time it comes around.
0: Um, Yeah, I, I would agree on that point. I don't think it's... It, look, like a lot of things that happen in, in the UFC these days, like uh, Max Holloway versus Arnold Allen as well. Very good fight, you know, both of those fights. But bad matchmaking, I think. I, I'm not a big fan of the matchmaking at all. Like, to give McGregor that sort of opponent... At this time in his career, coming off of a broken leg, coming off of a couple of losses, coming off of a long time out, I think it's a very, very unnecessarily tough matchup. Like, give him Tony in this one, and didn't give him Chandler next. I'm not saying like baby McGregor for the rest of his career or anything like that. I couldn't couldn't be further from the truth, but get one fight against a guy like Tony Ferguson who is he still ranked top 15 if not he was just before his last fight I know he's taking yeah, a bit of a downfall I don't
1: think the rankings even matter that much no well, but you know maybe it came down to a thing of Tony wanting more money for to do tough or more money to fight or things like that maybe Tony was considered may, but maybe there's other things going on but yeah uh obviously we talked about it in the past as I mentioned and Tony did seem like the perfect opponent maybe that's why people were kind of assuming that but it's definitely a, a Chandler, Chandler definitely a bigger ask, Chandler. Uh, Chandler's definitely a bigger ask to come back after a long time off on a, a big injury, like a broken leg. And, you know, it's it's definitely going to be, <laughs> if if their previous fights are anything to go by, it's going to be a, a firefight and it's going to be very exciting. But yeah, I think I think we both agree that it would have been, um, you know, more um, a, a nice matchup for, for Connor if he went in there against Tony, somebody who doesn't really have too much knockout power and who's very hittable. Um, but yeah, for the fans, obviously, I think yeah, this is going to be a you know an exciting season of the Ultimate Fighter that will get people back invested in the Ultimate Fighter uh, in in some capacity anyway, and that's obviously the UFC. That's probably uh, a big part of their thinking here, and they obviously they haven't announced a date for the for the fight yet, but they've announced that they will fight. There was a bit of speculation that maybe maybe Conor would uh, coach against somebody that he that he uh, wouldn't end up fighting like the Raya Faber season that he did before, but according to Dana White on the announcement anyway, there's going to be uh, obviously a fight between Chandler and Connor at the end. So, yeah, I think, you know, it's obviously a, a long way away. We don't even have a date yet, but, uh, you know, it's, it's obviously a, you know, top-level matchup to come back from such an injury against. And when we've seen people come back from from big injuries in the past, it, you know, it's usually not going to end too, too well. But Chandler's going to try and... Likely, anyway, he might he might come in with a wrestling game plan. You never know. Maybe the first thing he'll do is try to double leg Connor. But if if I say the expectation anyway is that he's going to stand and trade with, with Connor, and that's exactly what Connor wants, I suppose. So yeah, uh, obviously uh, we'll talk about it uh, a lot coming up. But yeah, it's definitely um, maybe a, a fight that we would have expected after a, uh, maybe a Tony fight or a similar warm up fight. Yeah,
0: I I think the one thing you have to say about McGregor for a guy who uh, unfairly, I think, but had the reputation one stage for being, you know, baby the bit with the matchmaking or whatever, and I think that that's dead and buried. You now he's coming back to this fight. Was, what, wasn't
1: some other fighter saying recently, even like in the last few days, oh, he just hand his fights, but, yeah, because yeah. he came <laughs> back. To, all. He came
0: back to fight Habib after like two or three years out as well, didn't he? Like, he's, you you just could not say that. But I think it's... Look, the UFC are at a very weird place with McGregor in terms of how you matchmake him because he is the biggest star in the history of the sport. You know, like, he's going to go in there and he's going to draw the biggest pay-per-view numbers for the UFC. They know it, everyone knows it. And you almost can't put him in there against a nobody because he is going to be in that position. You can't put him in there in a come-in event or in a card opener, like... If it was another fighter, you you probably could. Like Let's say Dustin Poirier now got a bad injury and he was coming back. You know, you could put him in there against someone a little bit down the rankings. looking in the lightweight rankings, you're going to probably fight someone hard. But you could put him in a good card opener. The next one, you could put him against Chandler. And if he wins two in a row, could be in a title fight. Well, McGregor, you can't do that. Because, like, with all due respect, I have great respect for Dustin Poirier and all the guys I named there. They're not drawing a million pay-per-view buys, you know? They're not going to be on the top of the cards. You don't have a responsibility to the fans and to the people buying it and uh, to your bottom line as well, if we're being honest, to put the best fight, the biggest name possible, within reason, against someone like McGregor where you don't have to do it for n- nearly anyone else John Jones a little bit to John Jones situation was a bit different I suppose he kind of he went away as champion and all that whereas McGregor is coming off of uh, the bad injury and a couple of losses as well but I, I, that's that's all well and good from the UFC's point of view it's understandable but the reason I called it bad matchmaking earlier is because from McGregor's point of view and from the long term point of view of McGregor and he's drawing power for the UFC I just I, I just can't I can't fathom why you wouldn't take the hit this time or do go against what I just said there this time to get a longer um, draw out of McGregor for more fights for a longer time. Now, he, if he loses this, he'll still come back and he'll fight again. But you know what I mean? There's a point you you need to reach where you have to get McGregor to a place where you want him back consistently winning and fighting and I, I I don't know if this is the fight now maybe it is and he said himself the other day on, on Instagram about I need full immersion and you know being in maybe being in Vegas for three months isn't the best thing in the world but being in like a fight camp all the time for three months if he gets in there and he's training with the lads or getting back and being part of it maybe that's what he does need to get back his mindset into MMA more than anything else because we know Luke McGregor's an unbelievable athlete we know he has the physicality and you know he stays in good shape a lot, a lot of people were saying about him. You know, he's blown up in size and all of that. But he can, you know, he he can quickly get into fight shape again. There, there's no doubt about that, I don't think. I think it is the mindset. It's impossible not to have an adjusted mindset to... Come where he's come from, to go where he went to and to where he is now after, you know, the couple of losses, the broken leg, the selling all the whiskey, the the court cases, the, all of this. It's impossible not to to be changed and maybe, you know, to pair it all back, to get back to MMA, to get back in the gym, you know, with 15, 20 lads or whatever it might be. Maybe that's the way to do it. Maybe that is the way to do it. I, I and I don't know, but I it sounds like a good idea to be able to do it that way. So we will forget about the fight for a second. But, the, but it kind of depends yeah. how
1: close the fight is to the the filming, really. You know what I mean? <laughs> Maybe the fight will be a lot of months afterwards, and
0: yeah, Ariel it won't
1: really be relevant.
0: Ariel said, and let me let me just pull it up here, but I don't want to quote him. Uh, I don't want to quote him wrong or anything, but he said it's going to be from uh, April. The, uh, the filming of the ultimate fighter until around September I'm just pulling it up here now so let me let me get it straight here so uh yeah he says that uh, the season runs from May until August last I heard the hope was them for the fight in September so that's you know a few weeks after the the end of of filming uh, or the, the end of the season um I, I think it's it'll be very interesting how that happens. Very interesting because you said like okay it's not obviously it's not going to air straight away in terms of after filming but you know like a pre camp to get into a proper camp as well might be a good way for McGregor to uh, to do it too because it's like it's the, the next six months next seven months so up until September here are the biggest of McGregor's career in terms of his future like okay not in lever surpass the eleven months uh, and those four fights you know everyone knows what I'm talking about. Um... But this is the biggest time of, outside of that, Let's say, it's the biggest time of his career because this will determine if he can get back into the mindset, like even win or lose in that fight, if he can get back to fitness, back into the mindset, back into the, is he going to be an MMA fighter anymore? Is he going to be a celebrity that fight, fights once every 18 months? That's the big thing here and I'm very interested to see that. And you know, we, we don't talk about him that much in this podcast even though he's the biggest star in the history of the sport but it's good to be able to talk about him in a fighting manner it's good to be able to talk about John Jones coming back and other things as well and um, you know it's still a long time uh, for, for it to happen but I'm looking forward to it and I uh, I, I can't wait Graham I, I like uh, look we haven't we don't know about the 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 season yet in terms of the weight classes and all I know that was kind of moving back and forward there was rumours of two Irish guys we talked about last week uh, Dean Barry came out and tweeted that he was one of them and that he these issues again it seems to always be Dean Barry's problem he's not able to go and I believe the other fighter Graham is not uh, going to be in it either so I wonder if there's any strings McGregor can pull maybe get a couple of different lads in there or something like that and, uh, and get him in I think for Irish eyes that'd be absolutely great and hopefully he can do that he's always kind of done that for uh for his teammates so hopefully that is something that can happen. But yeah, are you are you hoping to see a few of them what are your big hopes, I suppose, for the next few months for McGregor and for what he does with Tough?
1: Well like yeah it would obviously be nice to have a couple of Irish guys there or you know at least people that uh we've heard of um, or who are actual prospects instead of you know a lot of seasons of Golden Fighter have been kind of very roughly put together with not a lot of a lot of potential in the in the talent it seems so it would be nice to have um you know some known quantities or some some hot prospects in there but yeah um i wouldn't be surprised if it's if it's not if it's not that but maybe don't make a big effort here because obviously this is kind of a big chance for them and espn to kind of revive the ultimate fighter series that's kind of been forgotten about and that even you know even us as media don't really watch anymore and most people don't watch anymore so Maybe they will pull a few strings, and maybe having an an, uh, an Irish fighter in there would would um you know add the things for for the Irish for the Irish side of things. But I think it's more important that they just have some kind of you know known quantities, or not just a bunch of a bunch of three and Os or four and O's that we type records that we that, that we maybe don't have that much potential. But yeah, it just remains to be seen. But obviously um. You know, uh, obviously, I, I don't think Dana White uh, announced anything, but it remains to be seen if it's on ESPN Plus or if it's going to be on on actual TV. I think recent um, seasons of Ultimate Fighter have been on just a sub- subscription service, so um, hopefully they put it on, you know, uh, free TV in, in in America and stuff, and kind of makes sense to me for them to do that if they're going to try and revive the season and they're going to try and pay but maybe espn you know they obviously would like to keep it on espn plus probably and get subscriptions yearly subscriptions that way so yeah, there's, there's a lot of things up in the air but i think obviously the the chandler and mcgregor matchup uh, as as coaches and with them fighting afterwards definitely you know will bring the eyeballs no matter no matter who the contestants are and things like that
0: indeed a hundred percent and uh yeah, I, I, there's a, we have a question actually that came in last week. I must ask you for a second, but just on on our report as well, uh, I think you know we we kind of mentioned at the start there, but I, I think the fact that we had a few people who knew us saying this is true because they're saying it. And then a lot of people who didn't know us going like, oh, are these guys lying? They're not like, I know this it and stuff like that. But uh, it was, it was just kind of good again to show like, well, we are, you know, we're trying to do what we actually do. I was, you know, I did the conversation with Spencer the other day and talking about how, you know, obviously myself on the way up and yourself on the way up, we were kind of thrown into covering this sport and we had to learn how to do it the right way. And, I think this probably shows that we we try to do that. I know, like, we've had fights and announcements and things before that we haven't pulled the trigger on and then someone else has announced them and we've lost out on them just because we're trying to hold out for official confirmation or a second or third third source uh, or something like that. And, uh, you know, I think because we've always done that, I think when we actually pull the trigger on something like this, you can... You can know what's true, and uh, I'm I'm glad we did that, and uh, I'm glad uh, everyone has seen. No, so that's uh, that's absolutely good. But anyway,
1: and I enjoyed your little uh, Instagram or TikTok video oh, of yeah. uh, <laughs> the Bisling, the biz
0: thing. <laughs> <laughs> That would imagine if it didn't. Imagine if they announced it was like fucking Dustin Poirier against Michael Chandler. I would look like some bollocks if if that. If that, come like that. But we're glad we got it right anyway. Right, to answer this uh, question from uh, Andrew. It's a question for you. Uh, and to quote the question here is uh, as a fan of the sport, it was inspiring to see McGregor's rise. I recently rewatched Graham's 2014 notorious TV uh, notorious RT documentary, The Follow McGregor, in the build up to the Holloway fight. I was struck by how driven he was, but in a joyous way. You could see the killer instinct. He seemed like a humble, decent guy with a fantastic work work ethic and ability. Contrast that representation of him with the negative aspects of how his life has proceeded. Uh, hitting the old man and all the allegations that have been brought against him. I'm wondering how uh, you, Graham, Settle, it in your mind. Was his brash and at times grim side always there and not representing the finished documentary, or is it something that has emerged uh, with $50 million and more heavy blows to the head? Thanks, guys, and keep up the great work. What, what do you think about that, Graham? There's definitely like, well, I like that. Even if he hasn't yeah. changed, the, the, the thought of him, I think, has definitely changed over the years, hasn't it?
1: Uh, yeah i definitely think he's changed i think you can see from not just our uh, documentaries and content but tr- just through all videos throughout the years and you know how you know kind of uh on, on the up it was more kind of you know uh, happy and i suppose when your dreams are coming through we've people have talked about it to death like you know the motivating yourself after you've already kind of reached the peak or whatever and all that stuff that's just a natural thing and with all the you know the controversies and things like that, like uh, he mentioned the the, the man in the pub and stuff like that. Obviously, there there's you know stupid things to do that you, you shouldn't do and that are like a stain in your character and stuff. But you know, um, I don't think you know there was stuff like, from my knowledge anyway, I don't think there was like stuff that we, you know, didn't put in the Max Holloway documentary or anything that was happening at the time. At the time, we we were just recording what we saw, and what we saw was him, you know flying around the place doing media fighting regularly training you know in his house with his parents just all the sort of stuff that's in the documentary so i don't like i think that was what was happening at the time and you know uh, a lot of fame and money and you know problems that that kind of stuff brings came along and they change a person you know what i mean they 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 definitely um and even the, the the new fame as well, the kind of glow of like everybody wanted to take a photo with you or screaming fans and all. I'm sure that stuff gets old pretty quickly, even even like being around Connor and film and like all that stuff gets gets kind of annoying after a while. You know what I mean? And it's not even directed at me or or the crew around him or whatever. It's directed at him, obviously. So uh, all the circumstances would change anybody, I think, as a person. So, yeah, I think he's he's definitely, you know, changed in front of the public eye as a uh, uh, as, as everybody has been able to see,
0: yeah, uh, I would agree. But there's, it's a very interesting though, because I remember someone wrote an article about it years ago about the first thing that ever happened, like with McGregor, whatever it was at the time, when he was like, you know, everyone was dressing up with him and going to Vegas and all of this stuff. And then he, there was, there was some, maybe it was a, even a dinner-siver one or whatever it was. And, uh, the media, especially in Ireland, very quickly turned on him. And look for lots of different things. He deserves criticism. We've criticised him here, but it felt like sometimes there's a divide in perception between like what people expect to be f- uh, seen from a sports star, and you know what. Uh, the real life of a sometimes a sports artist, especially uh, in a sport that, you know, it's not hurling or football or soccer or rugby or whatever, you know? And we've seen that I think a, a little bit with, with boxing as well and other things down through the years. That like there may and it's maybe even a class divide, you know? Um and I think this McGregor was like the the old school like built up to knock him down thing by by a, a certain brand of people which look he deserved to be knocked down for a lot of things he'd done there's no doubt about that but if he'd never done them there were still yeah way he wasn't there.
1: held up yeah. like he should have been no. when before all the the kind of incidents that people um you know that turned people off and for genuine reasons I think to I think maybe it would have been different if he was a boxer because I think the Irish Public and Irish media in general kind of only begrudgingly accepted MMA as like a sport, even like for years at the start of like the kind of explosion of Irish MMA. They wanted to talk about how it's barbaric and all, all the kind of negative sides, but never about the positives and things like that. So I think maybe you know that played a big part. I think,
0: and you can see that now. Like they don't even talk about the sport. There's nowhere covering the sport off the ball or any of them. Never un- unless they're fucking paid by Virgin Media and have a deal to cover a Bellator card and they get Will Florian or something like that. That that's all they're doing now. Now uh, Having said that as well, I'm absolutely not saying McGregor's blameless for any of that or anything, but I think he really fed into that. Like, there was a time there when he was, like, going on the Late Late Show and he'd do, you know, it was Irish, he'd do it, he'd do everything, and I think he hasn't done any of that in a real long time. And I remember there was a call there at one stage, like, oh, McGregor needs to go back on the Late Late Show and win the Irish crowd back and everything like that. And, you know, (laughs) I think maybe I even bought into that for a while, but I quickly think that he... I think he's kind of fallen away from that sort of thing. He's like, well, I'm grand, I'll do my own thing. And I think he's gone totally away from that. And then with all the, the behaviour and all the issues that have happened down through the years, it has brought him even further away into that divide. And there's a lot of fans who would have been anti-like the coverage and would agree with everything I just said there, but then went anti-McGregor as well, because it just went too far on many different occasions. And those people, you know, are, they're very hard to, to disagree with I wouldn't disagree with it myself I don't think any people would at all so look it'll be interesting to see how McGregor rebounds and how this stuff helps or hinders him how living in Vegas helps or hinders him for a while because like if you think about it there haven't been that many incidents over the last while there's been obviously some things obviously always come out and there's allegations and things like that but at one stage, it felt like there was something every two or three weeks for McGregor, but over the last like year and a half, there there really hasn't been loads of things. So I'd, I I'm interested to see how he has changed again. I suppose maybe after getting more used to dealing with all the fame and all like that. So I suppose that's something we will uh, we will see coming up over the next couple of years. I suppose, but how Um let's move on. Let's move on and talk about some fights and let's talk about next week's fight before we get to the the action from this weekend and we have absolutely massive card in UFC 284 um, with what to me is going to be the, the maybe not the biggest fight of the year, but the best fight of the year in terms of quality between Islam Makachev, the lightweight champion in a super fight against Alexander Volkanovski, a genuine super fight, not one of these bullshit super fights that people uh, make up. We also have Yair Rodriguez versus Josh Emmett for the interim title at featherweight in the co event. And then there's other fights on the card as well. Not a massive, great card. I love the Jack Della-Madalena-Randy Brown fight. But other than that, you know, nothing not really Lord stands out. But let's let's talk about the, the top two fights, and especially Mikacha versus Volkanovski. And Graham, just before I throw it over to you, like my, my anticipation and my levels of love for this fight is is massive you know both of these lads have talked about the um the coverage of this fight and the the build-up for this fight hasn't been great hasn't been enough and hopefully that'll ramp up but i agree with him it hasn't because this is a special fight this is the pound for pound number one fighter in the world against the number one fighter in the number one division in the world that is special this is a guy who has beating Max Holloway, one of the best fighters in the world, multiple times, after beating Jose Aldo, after beating Chad Mendes, after showing how unbelievable of a fighter he is against Makachev, who is... You know, The the next level of Habib Nurmagomedov, who was the pound-for-pound king at the time when he retired, and he's taken over the mantle and destroyed the last champion who was beating the shit out of lads before him. It's the Dagestani wrestler against the unbelievable striker. You couldn't want a better matchup than this. I absolutely love it. What I'm so interested in, in this matchup, right, is, okay, the question is always, can anyone, whoever he's fighting... Stop the wrestling of Makachev. Can they do it? But you look at Volkanovsky and you just see how unbelievable his striking is. Like myself and Harry have a podcast coming out and next week I did it over in Shardog with Harry, it was great to have him on and we kind of broke down all the intricacies of it. But for Volkanovsky, the way he moves, the way he adjusts second by second in the fight, while at all times saying defensively so sound, makes a matchup against him so unbelievably tough. And even to time your takedowns or time a place where Alexander Volkanovski is vulnerable is extremely, extremely hard, even for a guy who all his opponents are vulnerable at all times because of the way he fights in Makachev. It's the, you know... It's, it's the, the rock and the hard place, you know, going up against each other. This is a fucking brilliant matchup. I absolutely cannot wait for it. What, what's your take on it, Graham?
1: Yeah, I'm really excited for this one. Obviously, me and you have have talked about Wlkanowski a lot and how underrated he is, and you know how he should get a lot more respect and adulation and things like that. But if he can come in here and and you know implement a a, so, a solid game plan and stick to it, like he's shown so many times against high caliber guys like like you mentioned, like Max Holloway and things like that, you know, uh, would I be that surprised if he wins? Not really, but I think you know the size difference is gonna is gonna be something here, and obviously the the wrestling. If he if he if he ends up on the bottom, will he be able to, to get up without without you know losing without losing the kind of pep in his step which is so important to his game? You know, I think he can a couple of times, but if the takedowns are are, are there more often, it becomes a little trickier. But I look, I looked at the odds, and obviously um, he's a big underdog here, Balkanowski bigger than i expected um obviously it's it's stepping up a weight class and that hasn't gone well in, in a lot of uh situations b- before but he's been kind of planning this for a while and you know was an alternative uh at this weight an alternate at this weight before so he's kind of you know uh been in the in, in in the 155 kind of mind frame and training that way for a while now so i wouldn't put as much weight into that as as, as i usually would but you know, it's hard to it's hard to pick Volkanovski here. There, like, there's definitely ways he can win, but it, it, like going to my head, I, I, you know, Makachev, I think, um, you know, be too big and strong in the wrestling department. But as you mentioned, he, he, you know, you have to get a hold of Volkanovski, and his striking is really, really good, and his speed and footwork, and you know, as I mentioned, his game planning and implementation of game plan. So. Yeah, I think this is maybe a closer fight than, than a, or a closer fight. I expected it to be closer on, on the, the betting lines than it is, but I'd still probably, you know, lean Makachev.
0: I, I think I, I lean Volkanovski, honestly. I just think he's, I think he's so good. I think he's unbelievably good. I, I, I just wonder, like, I, I think about Dmitri Shanson all the time. Uh, as the top-tier fighter in the world. And I've put Volkanovski up there with him, and I've never put anyone close to that. But how was how was Mighty Mouse beaten in the day when he was beaten? Like, it was up a way that was against uh, Dominic Cruz when he was able to just outsize him and push him against the cage and uh, kind of hold himself over him. Now, there isn't as much of a size difference here as... as um, as people would think. Maybe, I know know there's four inches in height, maybe, but I think Volkanovski has a longer reach than uh, Makachev by an inch. I think Harry was saying that. And Volkanovski fights very long as well. So, like, there's no one, I think, in the world of MMA at the moment who's as good at keeping someone at the end of their jab and keeping someone rattled as Volkanovski is and there's no one as good at defensively as Volkanovski is there's no one with as good of a variation in their striking to add to their footwork as Volkanovski is at the moment and all that's such a tough prospect for Makachev but the thing about this one is right we can analyze it we can talk about how good Makachev is he's wrestling and there's no one as good probably in the world at at doing what Makachev does either and we, we we won't know until the door closes on Saturday. And that's what fights are all about. That's why we love this shit. You know, sometimes we can say, right, if this happens, this guy will win. If that happens, that guy will You're even saying there, like, if Magachev does get a couple of takedowns, you know, it's a, it's a good sign, obviously, but it doesn't guarantee it. How long will it take for Volkanovsky to be completely taken out of his game? And will he be t- completely taken out of his game? Same goes for Volkanovsky. Like, if he wins, say, the couple, first couple of rounds, let's say the fight get, gets a little bit tired... And Mikachev starts against takedowns in the third, fourth, and fifth, it could very it could change very, very quickly. Or one person could win and dominate it. Either way. It's it's impossible to call this. And that is the key. That is the key. A close fight is always a good fight, but then you have a close fight against two of the best fighters in the world, 25 and 1 against 23 and 1. What a, what a fucking fight. What a fight this is. I absolutely love it beyond belief. And I absolutely yeah. can't wait
1: for it. It takes the loads of boxes. Obviously, it has the, the two the two champions. It has the Jeopardy. It has the the, the unknown, as you mentioned. It has the, the kind of style clashes as well. And both guys have, um, you know, the ability to finish the fight in, in multiple ways. And both guys have the ability to win a, a decision, you know. So, yeah, just I can't wait. And, you know... Uh, hopefully hopefully it's it uh, lives up to the expectation but either way it's going to answer a lot of questions and it's going to be intriguing and i do expect it to be a banger and i do expect i i, I think it's likely that we'll have ups and downs from from both sides ebbs and flows and that it, uh, i'm expecting a classic to be honest hopefully they're, they're not the, the famous last words for this fight but i really think this is going to be a really exciting really good fight
0: yeah, like for Volkanovski, if he wins it, it's another step to all time greatness. And for Makachev, if he wins it there, it's probably like the second step to being one of the greatest lightweights of all time. Because if he can beat Volkanovski, I don't think there's many coming afterwards that are going to test him as much as Volkanovski would. I think, I, I honestly, yeah, that's it's probably how, a good, I think
1: good he is. time for Volkanovski to get him. You know, it's probably better than waiting a, a few fights. You know, yeah. obviously he's experienced and stuff. But Volkanovski's been a champion for a long time, been five rounds for a long time, and. Makachev is obviously, you know, uh, at the top for a reason, but it m- maybe lacks experience in, in as as much experience as Volkanovski in in terms of that. So, yeah, it's, it's just it's just really intriguing.
0: The one thing I would say before we move on to the next fight, like I went back, you, you know sometimes you watch fights and you watch them for their opponents. So the last time I watched Makachev fights, I was watching it cuz he was fighting uh, Charles Oliveira, but now I'm watching it because he's fighting Volkanovski and I'm like there's way more flaws to pick out when you match someone up against a flawless fighter like Volkanovski. And like the way, even what anyone listen to this, watch the first 10 seconds, maybe 20 seconds of the Macaccia fight against Oliveira. And now he kind of falls over on his back leg. And he does it so many times and he puts himself off balance. And I, I also think like, he really puts himself in danger to land big shots because he knows people are kind of afraid that the takedown is coming, so he can manage to do that. But what if someone isn't afraid that the takedown is coming and will has such confidence in their striking that they will fight with someone like Mikachev, I think they could open up the flaws, the off-balance nature, the kind of the not using his lint maybe as well as obviously not as well as Volkanovski but not as well as he should he has good striking in terms of he can hit really hard and he's a good jab and he's all very good fundamental punches I would say I'm not sure he's the best fundamental like defensive striker in the world like a Volkanovski especially but I'm holding him to a higher standard here. I wouldn't. I probably didn't even get close to saying those things against Charles Oliveira because Oliveira, you know, similar, very good puncher, maybe not the best defensive or fundamental striker in the world if held up against the likes of that. So I just wonder if that becomes a factor. Like, if Makachev takes Volkanovski down, even though Volkanovski's good on the ground, he's not going to be able to match up Makachev. If Makachev gets stuck fighting on the feet against Volkanovski even though he's very good in my opinion I don't think he's going to be able to live with Volkanovski's ability on the feet so it's just it's so intriguing but the thing about it is in the UFC for Volkanovsky, we've he's never been shown up in terms of the wrestling or grappling like that he got caught in a dead-on guillotine by uh, by Ortega. He got out of it and won the fight easily. For Makachev, I know he has one loss, but like especially recently he's never been caught out with the striking, even against someone like very good like Oliveira, but he's never fought to that level before. Not that he can't beat that level, but he's just never done it. So I'm very interested to see if he can hang with that, and uh, I can't wait for that fight. Absolutely can't.
1: Yeah, wait. well, if Makachev can't get the takedowns, and if, if um, Volkanovsky is is kind of uh it becomes not wary of the takedowns and gets into his into the striking then uh, yeah it's going to be uh, i'd say it's going to be bad news for islam because as you mentioned uh, there definitely is a discrepancy there it's, it's definitely important that, that makachev doesn't give up on the on the changing the takedowns together and making it uncomfortable for volkanovski because if he gets comfortable in there it's it's uh it's volkanovski's fight i think but mm-hmm. you know there's definitely just a lot of questions and a lot of ways this could play out and you know um a lot of a lot of cards don't have main events like this uh, that will get me as excited as this, and you know, hopefully, it lives up to expectation, as I said. But yeah, either way, I'm just I'm very excited for this, and it's probably the most excited I've been for a main event in in months.
0: I think I, I think maybe in years for me, in terms of a technical fight, I'm so intrigued with this one. It's it's absolutely brilliant. Like there's I can think of a few down through the years. Like the one I always, and I've said a few times this week, and TJ Dillashaw versus Cody Garbrandt. Like at the time, people are probably saying, oh, Cody Garbrandt, what the fuck are you talking about? But at the time, that was such an intriguing matchup. And I was thinking about it for weeks and weeks before. And this one is is similar. I absolutely can't wait. But um, the comment event as well, look, there's I couldn't help but watch the, the, you know, a few fights of all four of these guys and think to myself that, Josh Emmett, especially, but Yair Rodriguez as well, is just not within an ass's roar of fucking Alexander Valkanovsky as a fighter. Just so much f- miles off, like, and not to say they're not good fighters, but Valkanovsky is an all-time great. He's unbelievable. But like watching. Look, watching Yair Rodriguez, we all know what type of fighter he is. He is the, you know, the the wild karateka who looks for the big shots and is loose and languid on the outside and long and throws his kicks and tries to be good defensively with his hands down on the outside. And Josh Emmett, he. It'd be interesting. Look, we, we t- talked about can Makachev manage to wrestle him, and can he not give up in it? I think it's a big thing. I think the same probably goes for Josh Emmett here. If he does wrestle, to not give up in it. But as a striker, Josh Emmett is a guy who just throws everything, everything at everything. He just throws it a hundred percent. There's no offense There's no messing about. You know. So and and not to say he's not to say he's not a good fighter not a good striker he is but like it feels like he's a bit of a throwback to guys who went out there learned how to punch and then just Punched, you know, it feels head like down, he's head like, down swinging, <laughs> yeah, which is good, which is exciting as well. But I'm not sure that's going to hold up now. Maybe a wheel against Rodriguez. I'm not sure sh- uh, if, I if, don't if know you can that. bring him with
1: enough pressure, you know, it's hard to deal with. <laughs> if yeah. you can bring him for an extended period of time with, with enough pressure, it, it can work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's it's yeah, he is a, he is a bit of a throwback in a way. But you know, uh, yeah, Rodriguez is, is dangerous to the end as well. And I think you can say the the, the same about Josh Emmett. So this, yeah. this could end up being being a really good fight as well. But I suppose for jo- Josh Emmett, he probably doesn't want it to turn out like that. He probably wants to make it kind of a um, uh, drawn out, kind of scrappy affair where where he can get on top for periods and kind of stifle year, year that way. But um, yeah, you know, for uh, uh, an interim title fight, it's not really that exciting.
0: Yeah, it's. I think look the fact that we have the champion of that weight class fighting here, the fact that we have a fight between Alexander uh, Aron Lallen and Max Holloway as well, which is no doubt a better fight than this in terms of quality, both fighters deserve it more. Um, you can understand with Max Holloway because he's lost a few in a row. It just it makes this one feel. If you think about it that way, it makes it feel like it's you know not as worthy of a belt as other uh, fights are. But at the same time, as, as we just kind of alluded, to, it's a very good fight, and I think it will be a very exciting fight if, you know, Josh Emmett does manage to get his wrestling going early and often, which, I, you know, honestly, I don't think he will. Now, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he will. But I, I think Yair will avoid him for long periods early in the fight anyway. The problem is, right, I, and you said that they're both can go late. I think both have exceptional cardio to fight the way they do and to be able to fight well late the way they do. But there's naturally uh, in the third round going to be a little bit more of a lull, like Yaya Rodriguez can't keep moving the way he does for five rounds. Just no human being on earth could do that. And at that point, like, does the fight change? Does Josh Emmett come more into it? I think that's a very intriguing part of of this well, fight. Yeah,
1: but yeah. well, he took out a Korean zombie with what well, was it a second to go in the, yeah, the fight? He was losing so, that fight
0: though as well as, as yeah, that's uh, true. Yeah, so uh, a very intriguing fight. I'm I'm really really looking forward. to it. I, Like I think the key. Look, the key to this one is can Emmett get the takedown? But I also think the key is can Emmett get to Yair Rodriguez with his striking? And if he can, as you said, there, you know, bulldoze him forward, that's very tough to deal with. And if he can do that, you know there's two ways for him to win the fight there for a year it's going to be either picking him off from the outside making him tired by throwing all those shots and making him miss there's nothing more tiring uh, as fighters say than than missing all the time and if he can do that and continually pick him off it could be one of those ones where like it comes to the second round Emmett hasn't landed a punch hardly and there Rodriguez has just picked him off at like 20 punches and Emmett's feeling it he's bleeding and he ends up falling down or something like that you know I could see it being one of those as well. but it's a very intriguing fight and I think it's too Lads who will go at it, hundred uh, percent, and um, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. Uh, the rest of the card, as I mentioned, you know, not 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 amazing. Uh, Justin taffa, taffa and Park reporter, someone probably get knocked out in that. And uh, be interesting to see Jimmy Crew bounce back here. He's fighting Lanza Minifield, who kind of blows hot and cold, but generally that that could be a good fight. As I said, Jack Della Maddalena, won of the best up-and-comers in the world, uh, 170 against Randy Brown. Uh, Joshua Coulibau, Graham, who uh, has uh, our very own Alan Philpott in his corner. I, I saw him putting up a picture uh, yesterday, I think it was. Uh, they were just finishing off camp and everything. So great to see uh, Alan Philpott doing well there. He's obviously moved out to uh, to Australia now. So. Very interested to see cool about there. And there's a few other good fights as well on it. You know, Zabiria Tukhugov, who assaulted Conor McGregor that time, is is in here. Tyson Pedro against Melissa Spokowskis as well. The cage warriors, light heavyweight champion, is uh, back in the UFC. And that's a very, very fun fight against two absolute that's bangers. That's
1: the first
0: fight of the night, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, maybe, but you never know. Uh, I think someone's getting absolutely fucking sparked in that anyhow. One of them, I'm not sure which one, but, but that's a very, very fun fight. That'd be a perfect fight for like... The pay-per-view opener, or the the, the last fight on the uh, on the TV yeah. card, or yeah. something like that. I think that'll be a very good fight for there, but a very interesting fight. Obviously, this is in Perth as well. you kind of forget that sometimes, but uh, over in, uh, down in Western Australia. So um, yeah, should be a fun card overall, and uh, we'll be uh, we'll be tuning in to watch it. Um, all right, we will. Uh, I suppose we leave it at that, Graham, and we will head it over and throw it over to Sean Sheehan here to uh, talk about some of the fights from last night. Take it away, Seanie. Thank you very much, Seanie. Well, it was a very, very long night. A very long night uh, in the world of mixed martial arts. We had Bellator, which... Uh, what time did it start? Te- I actually, I missed the start of it, so... Uh, but I don't think I missed too much at the start of it Because all the fights I thought I'd missed were actually moved to both them, Which I also missed, if I'm being honest But I watched nearly all of the Bellator fights And then went over to the UFC and watched the rest of them Until I fell asleep during <laughs> the comment main event And the main event But yeah, it was the one that went on from Let's say 10pm until Almost 9am, I would say I It's hard to remember, but it was a good 11 hour shift uh, last night, so we'll be uh, we'll be putting in <laughs> putting in the invoices to Graham. We'll be putting them in uh, to get uh, to get paid for that uh, that overtime. But um, yeah, look, there wasn't there wasn't much to write on. about, if we're being honest, maybe one top level fight, um, and the rest of them were you know not great. The Bellator card on paper was way better than the. Uh, the UFC card and it turned out to, to be that so let's get, go through the Bellator one first I suppose uh, first of all the four postlims uh, all went to a decision and I'm, I'm saying for them poor old crowd left after the debater and Fedor fight it was a long old stretch there and I'm sure those poor fighters didn't have it too easy but um, Yusuf Karaka beat Eaton Hughes Asaya Hokit beat uh, Peter Ishiguru, Jalen Bates won a split decision over journal Lugo I knew that'd be a closer. Fight. Fight and uh, the the betting line uh, made out, and then Neiman Gracie beat Dante Shero, who took the fight on short notice. So a good win there for Neiman Gracie in the uh, in the one seventy uh, division. Um, on the bottom of the Bellator card, then there was uh, another, you know. Three, I suppose, of decisions. And Nikita Mikhailov won the unanimous decision over Darian Caldwell. I know a few people were uh, were talking about that. The Caldwell was kind of ahead and maybe threw it away a little bit. But big win for Mikhailov. I saw Brian Moore call him out again. He wants that rematch. Um... You know, it probably doesn't make sense at the moment. But more goes in, gets a win in, in two weeks' time or three weeks' time, uh, maybe things change. Maybe he calls him out again. You could see it happening. But I think they're kind of on different paths at the moment. Maybe maybe down the line, um, big win in for Diana Azagrova. She beat Alejandro Lara. That was a split decision as well, um, a close fight. And Grant Neal again a split decision against Karl Albrechtson. Um, watching that fight, I I I think it kind of just went the right way. All right. Um, you know, probably wasn't watching as, as closely or as attentively as uh, I would the, the higher up fights. But yeah, two two fights, um, losing stretch now for Albrecht after losing to Carl Moore as well. So a tough time for him in that division after, you know, some very, very good wins previous to that inside and outside of Bellator. Um, same could be said in for Matt Roshkov I suppose who you know has had a tough time with it recently but Chris Gonzalez came in Uriah Faber in his corner and looked really really good ended up winning that fight um, got the uh, landed the right cross knocked him down and then grounded strikes after that uh, and anyway, then I suppose we got into the, the big important fights of the night we had the highly ranked Steve Mowry undefeated 10-0 against Ali Yaseev former PFL champion at 9-0 and uh, it ended in a draw You know, unanimous draw Very good stuff by the judges The first round and the third round were Isayevs Used a lot of wrestling um, Got You know, just kind of won those rounds The first one was close because he didn't really do much on top He did more in the third In the second round in, Maori just kind of beat him from pillar to post got on top, landed loads of shots. Uh, Herb Dean was the ref. So that was the only reason it wasn't stopped. Uh, Like genuinely, it was such a beating that I was thinking 10-7. And if a judge had given a 10-7, I don't think they would have been far off at all. So I think this was either a draw or a Maori win, despite the fact that he lost two of the three rounds, which uh, is is a hard one, I suppose, to to fathom, but you get what I mean. But, uh, look they're probably going to match these two guys up again you would have to say although look the main event it was for the heavyweight title they're going to need a challenger and I firmly believe that the winner of this would have been the next challenger now do they move forward and put Mowry into that space because he's kind of the Bellator guy and he's been there for a while do they put Saev into it? Who's the fittest one? Maybe someone comes out with a broken hand or something, they might um, not be in that position. So it'll be interesting to see with that one. But when it's a draw, you usually think, okay, we're going to run it back. And that's usually, I think, what Bellator would do as well. But I suppose we'll uh, we'll see on that one. Um, Henry Corrales didn't put on a fantastic performance against Ahmed Magomedov. Uh, on my bets over in Sherdog, I gave this as one of my bets for the week. He, I, I gave him at 375, I think. He ended up at... Plus 470, so an almost 5 to 1 underdog here. And uh, he won, and he won easily, to be honest. Like, Megamedov have got a couple of takedowns early, or not even really takedowns. He just kind of, you know, okay, took him down, but Corrales got straight back up, held him against the fence a bit. But then Corrales just started to kick the leg and kick the leg, and he was landing better shots in the feet. And in the second and third round, he just won that fight. I I would say pretty handily to be honest. Megamedov was landing a few shots on but I I know Henry Corrales is one of these guys maybe that people think of. Oh, he's like the mid level Bellator guy, but I want that fight against Praborshtenko and fights before it. I I analyzed that one. You know, very, very closely at the time because I was doing the breakdown for Belton I was like, this guy is a re- has really, really good takedown defence and he's not easy for a wrestler to beat whatsoever Um, and he showed that again last night, that's, what is it, two out of three fights or two, uh, two out of four fights maybe where he comes in there against the Eastern European wrestler, heavy wrestler and they can't take him down, they can't beat him and he ends up beating them on the feet brilliant, absolutely brilliant and I said on that as well, himself and Lorenz Larkin I, I fancy both of them now, Larkin a little bit less. I think my, my official pick was Corrales. I think my official pick was... uh Well, my, my official pick at the price was definitely Corrales. But I, I think I was going for Burkamov over Larkin just about. But again, Lorenz Larkin, he just showed what he is. He's just like... I think for Corrales You look at Corrales I think he's a power puncher But it's obviously down the way It's at 145 So it's harder to be that uh, But he's just a very good Technical fighter all around Whereas Lorenz Larkin Also a very good technical fighter All around But has that insane power That he lands And it was an elbow here A little bit different You know it's not your normal Punch power I suppose But the power that he generates Is absolutely tectonic at times Absolutely huge. You know, maybe he hasn't shown it um, as much in in Bellator as as you'd expect. You know, he's had three or four decisions uh, in Bellator against maybe guys you'd be expecting him to be to be more easily, and he has beaten almost all of them. But that power that he can show is absolutely phenomenal. And if he can keep showing that against this sort of level, then, you know, sky's the limit for Lorenz Larkin. I mentioned it last week that, like, every time Larkin fights, he should be in title contention. But it seems like he kind of isn't recently. Now I know there's a big hold up in that division because there's the interim, uh, there was the interim champion. And now, obviously, in, in three weeks in Ireland, we're going to see the interim champion fight the champion. And then you've Jason Jackson, who's like the obvious next guy, and then you know mvp probably should have won the title uh, in the interim fight uh, against uh, against storley so do we do larkin against mvp is that the way it goes and and the winner of that you know is is the next guy after jason jackson i think maybe i think maybe that's the way you uh, you go with it but anyway very good performance from uh, from Rins Larkin award Ward and Sabah Hamassi delivered exactly what Brennan Ward and Sabu Hamasi were always going to deliver an absolute bloodbath barn burner and this opened up the main card And CBS was only three fights which was wise i think for militar <coughs> and this was excellent um you know maybe not the best technical fight in the world but who cares about that it looked at look Brenard Ward went um uh wrestling at the start and uh, i thought he was going to continue to do that but at one stage he kind of started to get the better of Hamasi and made a very intelligent move to kind of adjust over from being a wrestler into being a striker in the fight itself. And I'm sure he wasn't afraid to strike striker anything like that, but game plan A1 was the wrestler, it seems like. And he was just getting the better of him because, like, there's a certain point in a fight where you realize I'm that. Uh, if you're like Sabah Hamasi or others as well sometimes uh, realize it, you're like, I'm the better striker here. I'm a harder puncher, but this guy has way more of a, uh, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? A chin, is, a chin is the wrong word, but you know what I mean. He's way more endurance and way more of a capability to take damage than I have. And even though I'm a better striker and even though I can hit harder, he's going to win because of that. And you could kind of see that in Hamasi's face for like, I don't know, going into the, like the third minute of the fight and they're leaving and, and then... The massive head kick and the knockout um, from Brennan Ward was brilliant. Uh, Blake Grice, I believe, was the referee here, who's um, not a great referee. And I don't think he saved Hamassi from uh, from the additional damage he could have been saved from here, to be honest. So, um, yeah, but, you know, I don't like seeing that. And uh, the second I saw the referee in this fight on CBS which is a big thing for Bellator I was like oh Jesus that's not going to end well and uh, it didn't but I suppose it ended well for Brendan Ward he got a big knockout and looked very 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 good against the guy who's you know not I suppose a spoon-fed opponent on the guy on the comeback trail like happened recently which is maybe a little bit unfair in Brendan Ward but I I think that's a good thing to do as well but Hamasi good solid Bellator fighter Brendan Ward now that again after being there for years we thought maybe he's a little bit past his prime after all the issues with addiction and all of that but he's looking great here absolutely back and then we did two title fights and middleweight Johnny Eblen, and Anatoly Tokov, a really high level fight I would say for the first two rounds um close first but I gave it to uh, to Eblin close second, very close, very high-level second. I thought Anatoly Tokov was going to kind of take over a little bit um, in that second round. And he was winning it, and I still gave it to him. But the last kind of minute changed his fight a lot. Um Eblin landed One nice shot And he pushed Tukov Against the fence I think he kind of Even wobbled him Knocked him down I think Talkov actually Wobbled Eblin as well He hit him like the, the top of the head And I don't know Maybe Tokov broke His hand or something On that Because it looked like It looked like a, a, a hand shatterer If we're being honest Um but the point after that was that Tokov looks so tired and you can see it sometimes in fights and it's overplayed or lads get their second wind and the commentary don't call it. I thought Big John did a great job of calling this. He's like, look at Tokov with he's mowed up and he looks tired. Even when he was kind of winning uh, the fight in the second round. Um, so it was even before Evelyn had that big comeback. But that big comeback kind of, and when I say big comeback, comeback in the round. It wasn't a big comeback. Um, it kind of inflated his level of tiredness. And I think from Din on, Eblin did a lot of smart things. You know, he went for the takedowns at the right time. He showed that he is better cardio, a better all around fighter. And um, yeah, just won all the rest of the rounds in, in pretty, pretty easy fashion. There was no coming back from Tokov. I thought the one thing in the first round that was very interesting was Tokov was able to make the adjustment to Ebelin, um to, to Eblin's game. And then I don't think Eblin was actually able to make the adjustment until the end of the second round. So he went a good, like, six minutes, maybe, where Tukov was winning that fight in many different ways. Like, there was one stage Eblin was throwing punches and missing every single one. Like, it wasn't even funny. Uh, But he's still only 13 fights into his career against a guy who was 35 fights into his career. That was, I suppose, inevitable, nearly. So, um great learning fight as well for Tony Eblen against a high level middleweight and uh, Eblen is is only going to go further in that division. I don't see many guys there who are going to beat him if I'm being honest. I I personally think like the, the way, okay, I think he's the best um middleweight in the world if you want to put him up against the champions from every other division. I think he'd have issues with Robert Whitaker, to be honest. I was talking to, to Tim Burke, I think, from uh from is he still with Bloody Elbow? I think he is. Or well you know, bloody elbows the situation's in but shout out to Tim. Um and he was kind of saying the same thing, and, and I, it made me think, and I was like, yeah, maybe he's right, but I think he'd beat Alessanya. I think he'd beat Pereira. And I saw Ariel put up a poll who'd, who'd win Eblin or Pereira, and 70, or 83% said Pereira. And I was just thinking that, like, none of you sh- lads know shit about MMA. Not no shit. Eblin, I, I don't think it'd be a matchup. I think Evelyn would absolutely destroy Pereira. I don't think he'd be even close, to be honest. I think he'd beat Adesanya pretty handily as well. So, yeah, Eblen is like what they don't have in the UFC, which is a high-level athlete wrestler uh, at middleweight. You know, and then now they have another division, obviously, but not at middleweight. Um, but, yeah, great win for uh, for Eblen, and he moves on. He called out the winner of Musassi and Edwards. So, yeah, that'll be fun. And then with Ryan Bader, look, you know, just beat Federer up. Took him down, landed a lot of shots ground upon, him, and that was it in, in two and a half minutes. Um It was it was just a destruction. Fedor looked like completely out of shape, I thought, in this one. Uh, even when he was running around beforehand, I was like, Oh shit, this is <clears throat> this is not gonna be good for him. And, uh, yeah, it was a non-event of a fight, really, and that that was that, you know, better. Uh, 39 years of age, now, coming up 40, the young whippersnapper in that in that Bellator heavyweight division got the win here, and he moves forward. As I said, who's going to be next? We don't know. But, look, the real story was Fedor. Um, he, a legend of the sport, you know, it, it, this is his second or third retirement now. Is it going to be real? Who knows? I suppose we'll see on that. But... Um, a guy who was always kind of that, um, you know, the, 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 the bear in the woods, you know, it's like, we know he's there. We know he's scary. We don't know too much about him. We're all kind of afraid of him a little bit. And if you get, if you're getting too close to him, he'll absolutely rip your head off. You know, that's what Fedor Emelianenko Emil- was. I was thinking about it last night watching it. And I was like, this is the last ever guy like this, I think. And, they, you know, they, Bellator did a good job saying this is the end of Pride and this is the end of the year, and they did a beautiful job of bringing all the fighters in at the end, and I really liked it. And uh, shout-out to Bellator for that. But my main takeaway was that's like there's no fighter anymore that we don't know loads about, you know, that we barely ever hear them speak, that we hold up as this mythical figure, almost. There's, there's none at the moment. Like, like you look at all the guys coming through, and all the best fighters are the the most famous fighters in the world. Let's say McGregor, we know everything about him. Sean O'Malley, the the one coming through, or John Jones, or sahood Or there's, there's none. There's absolutely none. You know, I I think it's it takes away something from MMA that we don't have that anymore. To be honest, um, and. To have, I suppose, I didn't live through all of it, obviously, because I'm only fucking, I'm only a whippersnapper myself, and to, I wasn't watching fucking Pride when I was in 16 or 15 or whatever in uh, in, in in school with no internet or whatever, but, you know, I, I remember, I think it was the Matt Lindland fight, a friend of mine, um, who I was friends with in school, and I was in college for like a year or something. I think it was in two thousand and seven. And I started watching MMA around then. And he was like, "Oh, Fedor's fighting." And I was like, "Oh, Fedor? Who's it? who's this Fedor lad?" And he was like, "He sent me a link on Facebook. I remember on Facebook messages, and it was this dodgy Russian link. And I got a fucking virus on my computer and everything. But I, I'm not. I think I watched the fight. It's so long ago. Everyone knows my memory shot, but. That was the start of the thing Fedor was like he was like oh you oh this guy I remember I was working somewhere once and uh, oh yeah it was very funny one of the lads um, they were talking about oh do you know that do you know that Russian fighter do you know that Russian fighter and then one of the other lads real dummy he goes who oh, Chuck Liddell is it <laughs> and everyone just started laughing I was like what are you talking about and this was before MMA was kind of known I suppose it would have been around the two thousand and six two thousand and seven time as well. Probably, yeah, 2007, 2008, maybe. Um, and they were talking, I remember lads talking about fedor and I kind of, I, I was in MMA at that stage, and I was kind of, I was listening to the lads talking, and I was like, okay, yeah, this is, this is a guy. And then a few of these, I like, okay, there's a coach, there's more than me who likes MMA in Ireland and things like that. So, you know, it was, it was great to, to, great to have that, I suppose. And he was one of those guys where, if you knew him, I suppose, in a place like this, Maybe it was different in America or Japan or Russia or something, but you, you knew something else about MMA, which was very fun. But, yeah, a legend. And, you know, we'll probably do a career retrospective on Fedor at some stage. Go back and watch a lot of his fights because he absolutely deserves it. But a legendary career. And, uh, you know, he goes out having fought in, in a Bellator title fight, which is close enough to the top. So um, congratulations to him and a great career. Let's move over to the USC And this is going to be short and sweet because... A lot of these fights were like road to the UFC fights. Who cares? Who gives a shit start to fight? So, yeah, the first three fights at night all started off with uh, submissions. That's who got yeah, Tiara got a beautiful triangle armbar. Armbar! 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 Uh, and which was absolutely... I think it was more of an armbar than a triangle, if we're being honest. <clears throat> then uh, Jung Young Park uh, beat Dennis Thulin with a rear naked choke, as did uh, Sung Park against Choi. Congratulations to all of them. Uh, Rinya Nakamura, he looked very, very good. He landed a straight left knockout uh, in the first round uh, against Kamaza. Din uh, Lee and Jubilee won the other two road to the OC things. Congratulations to both of them. Uh, Adam Fugus won then against uh, uh, Kinoshita, who I was calling Conor Shita because he looks a bit like Conor McGregor in the way he fights and the stance and all of that. So, um, yeah. There you go with that one. Very good performance from Fugit, And then duo Chai against Kyle Nelson was a draw. Uh, majority draw, I believe. So Chai won it 29, 27, I think, on one card. And then it was 28, 28 and the others. Um, Chai won at least two rounds there. A lot of people were giving out about the point deduction. And everyone knows I'm <clears throat> I'm very much anti-point deductions for a lot of things. But this one was clear and obvious to me, I think. Um, Chai was in full guard, if I'm not mistaken, had almost the kind of the can opener on uh, on Nelson, and then just brought his head forward and butted him, head butted him right into an area where he already had a, a, a cut. So, like at sometimes in MMA, I, I, we and I know if Graham was here as well, he'd agree with me, but we see fouls and we always call them unintentional. But like sometimes they're obvious. The 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 one that always sticks out to me is Rivera and Faber. It was an eye poke. It was, like, the most obvious eye poke ever, but they called it unintentional because everything's unintentional. But, like, this was... I think this was one, it was one of the ones where it's hard to call it unintentional. It looks so obvious. And uh, I think for something like that, a point should be taken, and I think it was rightly taken, and I think it was the right result in the end as well, so... Um, and then we got into the fights where I started to fall asleep because, yeah... Devin Clark and Martin Tabora, but one unanimous decisions. Um that Tabora even off I was a tough one to get through. Um from what I remember the Clark fight, <laughs> uh Dayung almost finished him at the start of the first and then started getting taken down and stuff. Um, but then the main event, Sergei Spivak and Derek Lewis, this was uh, another kind of a shellacking. Um Spivak just kept taking him down and pulling him down on one stage. Derek Lewis like landed on his head. He was just landing ground and bound. And Lewis was doing his thing where he just stands up. But Spivak was just simply holding on to him and pulling him down again. And then Derek Lewis got tired uh, and ended up uh, getting arm tangled and finished. Uh, Look, the problem with Derek Lewis is, I just, I don't know. We went through a phase where Derek Lewis needed to be more mad Derek Lewis and then he started to put it all together. Like, well, okay, maybe he does. And you know, maybe the the new tactical Derek Lewis is working a bit, but that's gone backwards again. And I think we need look, Derek Lewis is gonna to have to get crazy again. He's gonna to have to start throwing fucking wheel kicks and throwing bombs, getting tired after three minutes, grand, taking a rest. But he needs to bring that back. This, you know dropping weight, cutting weight, type of Derek Lewis is just get blow up to fucking 300 pounds cut down to 265 and throw bombs for as long as you can you're going to probably lose anyway but you you know you were great at that that's what Derek lewis was great at winning fights where he probably shouldn't have won and i think he needs to get back there but for spivak look a very good win uh showed what he can do against that level of fighter and that was that kind of stuff so. I will. Uh, yeah, we'll leave it at that, lads. Thanks to everybody for listening. It was a very fun podcast. Actually, today is the eighth anniversary of the Severe Mate podcast. So, shout out to Andrew and, and um, obviously Graham and we, we kind of did the, the four hundred episodes last week. So it almost coincided, but yeah, eight years has been a has been a long, long time and a very, very fun time to uh to do all of this and uh long may it, long may it last and uh, all of that. So yeah, I love the the Q and A out on uh, Wednesday over on Patreon. If you haven't signed up on Patreon, please do. Patreon.com forward slash Severe MMA Podcast. Uh, you can add your questions now. I haven't recorded it yet. I won't be recording it until uh, Tuesday, probably. Maybe Monday night. So, um, yeah, get them in there. And uh, thanks to uh, everybody for listening. Please click the subscribe button. Uh, don't be a freeloader. Please subscribe. It's free. Come on. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, tell a friend. I'll leave it at that. God bless. Goodbye. We'll see you next Tuesday. i probably I haven't uh, gotten it yet. I'm still trying to figure out when's the appropriate time to ask (laughs) for it. Anytime you're okay with giving it to me, I don't mind. (laughs) Procop's turning it on now. Pat Barry slowed down a bit, Mike.
1: He's an amazing guy, really decent, and
0: uh, I like the guy, I must say I like the. If I beat Krokop on Saturday night, I'm going to go home and stare out a window for two years. Oh, he hooked up, he's in big trouble, Krokop looking to finish. Well, I got on my. If I want to be lucky and throw a high kick, he might stay through the window two years, too, with a nurse on his legs. <laughs> <laughs>